views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey everyone, I'm Gene Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. Earlier this year, right before the tax filing deadline, we did a show on taxes. And I want to revisit this topic again today and give you some updates. Why are we talking about taxes in September? Well, As the tax law is currently written today, there is a very good chance that your taxes are about to go up. And I know that that is the last thing that you want to hear, particularly with this nasty bout of inflation still lingering. As we are recording this, gas prices have started to creep up again. And I don't know about you, but my grocery bills are still very high. By the way, very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal about quote-unquote greedflation. Check that out if you have a sec. But with all of this going on, the last thing that I want to think about is losing more money to another invisible force like taxes. The thing is, the risk here, it's very real. Why? Well, it all goes back to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which took effect on January 1st of 2018. You may remember that this was a massive overhaul of the tax code for both businesses and individual taxpayers. There were sweeping changes, some good, some bad, depending on your situation. But overall, it's estimated that that tax law reduced taxes for about 65% of people. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. As the tax code is currently written, some provisions of this act have already begun to expire and more will do so next year. For example, two provisions have already begun to phase out the bonus depreciation tax deduction and the opportunity zones tax credits. And these are both pretty big deals for individuals trying to preserve their wealth and for small businesses. Put them together and it could mean less capital to invest back into businesses, employees, and the broader economy. And importantly, this is just the beginning. By the end of 2025, most individuals could see their taxes go up if the law is allowed to expire. That is, unless Congress does something about it. And Given the broader political climate, well, it's kind of hard to believe that they will. But on this show, we talk about controlling those things that you can control. Congress 
is not one of them. But even if the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires, there are things that you can do this year and next year to potentially reduce your tax burden and to keep more of your hard-earned money. That's why right now there is some sense of urgency around tax planning, and it's time for you to potentially take some action. Later, I'll share a way with you to get some personalized help for your taxes. But for now, I want to give you some guidance on things that you might do to start planning for higher taxes. And to help us this, Isabel Barrow is in the house. She is a wealth planner at Edelman Financial Engines, an expert in helping you protect and grow your hard-earned money. You know her, of course. She's here all the time. Isabel, nice to see you. Good to see you two again. Good morning. So I know back in April when we last tackled this topic, you went into a lot of detail about what is at stake if the act is allowed to expire. By the way, if you all want to flash back and listen to that episode, just go to everydaywealth.com, click on the episode archive, scroll down to episode 14. The title is, Are Your Taxes Going Up? Could you just, though summarize what's at stake here? Yeah, well, there was really a lot of changes made in this particular act. I mean, some of which was related more specifically to businesses, both large and small, um, but then a lot also that was pertaining to individuals. And so I want to maybe focus more on some of the provisions specific to individuals that are set to expire toward the end of 2025. And so first, And maybe most importantly, or what may have the biggest impact for most people, is the individual income tax rates are going to revert to their 2017 levels. And so what that means is for most people, your tax rate will go up. And secondly, and and also very important part of that, is that the standard deduction in this act was doubled. So when that goes away, you know, that standard deduction is essentially going to be cut in half back to those 2017 levels. However, the personal exemption will return, but the child tax credit will be cut. I think it's really tough to overstate how broad these changes actually are and how many people they're going to impact. It's not like they're just going to hurt high-income households or low-income households. It's really across the board. Right. It's a pretty mixed bag, um, I think, for a lot of people. And I think one of the major changes that most people experienced was that they didn't have to itemize anymore and that their taxes were very, very simplified, right? Because of that, because they weren't having to retain all of the same itemization documents and their tax form might just be a couple of pages instead of 50. In terms of maybe uh, higher net worth households, higher income households, higher net worth households, I mean, a big change also is that the estate tax exemption is going to be cut significantly by about half. But on the bright side, if you are in a state where you have state taxes, the cap, the SALT cap, so that's the cap on uh, state and local taxes, state and local income taxes, well, that's going to be going away. So for people who were getting a big benefit from those SALT deductions, that will be coming back. But the the bottom line is, like you said before, maybe there's 65% of people who experienced a tax cut because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And for many of them, those benefits are going to be going away if the act expires without changes by Congress. 
I so vividly remember when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act went into effect. I was living in New York at the time, and we had high state taxes. And so this SALT provision was was a big deal. I vividly remember spending about a 45-minute run with my friend Mitch, who is a CPA, trying to figure out exactly what we could do to get around that. And there was nothing. But as things are reverting back, as things are changing, let's talk about what people can do right now to try to shield their wealth from some of the higher taxes that are coming our way. Absolutely, let's do. But before I get into that, I just want to, one quick disclaimer is that, you know, ultimately taxes are extremely personal, right? I mean, it's a personal subject. Your your tax rates, your how much you're paying is very, very specific to your own personal situation. And at Edelman Financial Engines, we have in-house tax experts and our planners as well, you know, and in alignment with our, our tax experts can help you to optimize your strategy but that being said, you should not do anything before consulting with a CPA or a tax professional. Um, and, and if you have a planner at Edelman Financial Engines, give them a call. You know, we can help with that. Okay. Very good information to have. And, and I also think really important for your financial advisor to be talking with your tax professional or as you do to have an integrated approach. Let's start though on the estate planning side. I know that really this only applies to folks with a lot of money, but the definition of what's a lot could really change if the act expires. And I'm talking about estate taxes right now. The current exemption, the amount that you are allowed to pass along before taxes hit is about $12.9 million per person. You double that for a couple. But as you said, that could get cut in half, which would bring it down to $5.5 million per person. That brings the thought of an estate plan tax strategy back into the picture for a lot of people. It does. And I mean, it also exposes, obviously, yeah, a lot more people to the potential of having an estate tax situation that they may not have had before. You know, when you take into account your retirement and your home and, you know, any other assets that you have, that's all going to be included in your estate when you pass away, depending on how you've handled it in terms of your estate planning. So some things that you know, again, if this act expires and you're thinking about, all right, well, you know, now I may have an estate tax situation, you can start thinking about things now that might help to reduce that burden or reduce that impact later, like gifting money to kids, to grandchildren. You're allowed to gift up to $17,000 per person to as many individuals as you wish. So if you're a couple, that means $34,000. That's per child, per grandchild, per family member that you want to gift to. And those annual gifts are not taxable either to you or to whomever you're gifting them to. So that's just a, you know, that's essentially a free gift. And it doesn't take away from your lifetime gift exemption. So in addition to the gifts that you give during your lifetime, you're also allowed a lifetime gift exemption. So if in one year you want to give more than the $17,000, for example, you can, but it will take away from your lifetime gift exemption. So you just have to kind of be aware of that and the rules around it and make sure you're reporting it properly um, if you do want to gift more than $17,000. But Another idea is to accelerate gifts to educational accounts like 529s. So current tax law allows you to accelerate those gifts for five years. So you can gift five years worth of that $17,000 
to educational accounts for your children or, or grandchildren or other family, friends, or relatives who you want to help out, um, which essentially means you can gift up to $85,000 in any one single year. And again, that is outside of your gift tax exemption. And by the way, if you're, again, if you're married, that bumps it up to $170,000 for a married couple. So that rule allows you to basically gift the five years worth of your of your annual gift all at once. Let, let's talk about some broader strategies, strategies that may apply to more people. So another strategy that's a pretty hot topic right now, and um, we've been talking with our clients about a lot, are Roth conversions. What that is, essentially, is the process of taking money from a retirement account like a traditional IRA or a 401k and converting it into a Roth, meaning you're paying the taxes now in order to avoid paying the taxes later. Why is now a good time to do this? I mean, why would you be thinking about this in light of this tax law? Well, if you're expecting that your tax rate is going to be higher in the future, then right now, for the next couple of years, if you're in a lower tax bracket than you would expect to be later, then that Roth conversion might make a lot of sense. I mean, I think that even outside of thinking about the expiration of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the the main benefit of a Roth conversion is if you think that your personal tax rate will be higher when you're using that money, when you need to take it out of your IRA, then it is today. And for a lot of people, I think for maybe a recent retiree, you may be, you know, 60 years old and be living off of savings, uh, you know, as a, as a recent retiree or a non-IRA account. And you might have a really low tax rate, regardless of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And for you, now may be a good time to think about, should I take a little bit of money out of my IRA and, and convert it over to a Roth and keep myself in a low tax bracket, knowing that eventually I'm going to be taking money out of my IRA and I might be in a higher tax bracket later on when I'm on Social Security or when my pension kicks in or, you know, when I need to take out money because I've spent down my savings and now everything I take out of my IRA is taxable. So there's a lot of situations where, you know, you may end up benefiting from a Roth conversion. But, in you know, in short, the conversion gives you the opportunity to pay taxes up front right now at what could be a lower rate rather than later, which could be higher, you know, again, if the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act does expire. And not only is there potential arbitrage between those changing tax rates, but there's the added benefit also that a Roth IRA doesn't have those required minimum distributions like a traditional IRA does. So it also makes it a great vehicle to set aside money for your children or grandchildren, you know, money that you know you want to leave behind as an inheritance because you can keep it tax deferred and you're not required to take anything out of it. What else do you have in your sights if taxes are in fact going to go up in a couple of years? What else do you think people should be doing right now? possibly thinking about some capital gain harvesting strategies. You know, usually we talk about tax loss harvesting strategies and that involves, right. you know, capitalizing on losses in years when the market's down so you can use those deductions to carry forward. But another tax change that's coming um, if the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires is that capital gains rates could also go up. Or if you think that capital gains rates will go up for one reason or another in your case because of a higher income in the future, then you might think about harvesting a little bit of your gains now. So if you are, you know, in that example that I gave earlier of somebody who is 60 years old, recently retired, doesn't have a whole lot of income, 
they may not even have to pay on capital gains if it's under a certain amount. They might be in a zero capital gains rate. So there are certainly tax strategies, tax situations you can think about. Talk to your advisor, your CPA, or your tax specialist about kind of how much room do I have before I'm going to start paying in capital gains taxes. So I think potentially capital gains harvesting strategies might work in this environment. Um, That would be applicable if you had sizable capital gains on investments that you'd owned for a long time. And, you know, again, they're held outside of a a tax-sheltered account like an IRA, so in in a brokerage account or, you know, a normal investment account, trust account, something like that. And again, while it will potentially incur taxes now, it may be that those tax rates you're paying on are less than what you would pay on in the future. Thank you so much for sharing, Isabel. Great strategies all around. We're going to take a very quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be joined by a special guest who will share with us a little bit more insight about the likelihood that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will be allowed to expire, as well as some of the other scenarios that could be at play. We'll also share a way that you can get some very personal, specific help with your tax situation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, They can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Isabel Barrow and I have been talking about taxes and how they could potentially go up in the next few years. And we're also talking about ways that you can start planning to potentially avoid those higher taxes and what you can do today to protect your wealth. We're going to have more on that in a little bit. But for now, I want to welcome a very special guest. Howard Gleckman is with me. He is a senior fellow in the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center at the Urban Institute, where he edits the fiscal policy blog, Tax Box, and the Daily News Summary, The Daily Deductions. He's also a writer for Forbes.com and the author of the book, Caring for Our Parents. He speaks and writes frequently on long-term care issues. Howard, thanks for being with us today. Good to be with you. So when we talk about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, how likely is it that it actually will be allowed to expire? So just to go back one step, this, this law was passed in 2017. It was an enormous tax cut for many individuals and for many corporations. Uh, but it was designed so that the individual provisions of the law would expire in 2025. And that was done simply as a budget gimmick to make it look like it was going to be less expensive than it really was. Nonetheless, uh, most of those individual provisions, which are changes in the standard deduction, changes in tax rates, as well as a number of uh, very specific tax provisions, are going to go away in a couple of years. So the big question is, what's going to happen? 
The Republicans, of course, who passed this bill uh, with no Democratic support are very enthusiastic about extending it, making it permanent. Uh, and they'd like to do it even before 2025, although that's not going to happen as long as the Democrats control the Senate and Joe Biden's president. But President Biden's already said that he supports extending many of the provisions, at least those provisions for people making less than $400,000 a year. So chances are whoever is elected president in 2024, we will extend at least some of the provisions of the law. The question is, which ones? Well, let's talk about which ones. That's my natural follow-up question. I mean, when you talk about those provisions that affect people who are making less than $400,000 a year, what specifically are we talking about? So the biggest change for lower-income people is the standard deduction was nearly doubled. Right now, the standard deduction, which increases with inflation every year, is more than $27,000 a year. So that means that if you've got income of less than $27,000 a year, you don't pay any federal income tax. That would be cut almost in half um, if the law were allowed to expire. I think there's very little chance that that will happen. The provision that went along with that was uh, the elimination of personal exemptions. You may remember before 2018, uh, we were allowed to take personal exemptions for children and for spouses and for uh, other people living in our household. That went away too. The net effect of that is a tax cut for most people. There are some other changes that um, are very important to uh, uh, low and moderate income households. One of them is the child tax credit, which was uh, doubled uh, in 2017 mm-hmm. to $2,000. It was increased again a couple of years ago, but then fell back to $2,000. If the law were allowed to expire, it would go back to $1,000, and it would affect many fewer households. So that's an important provision. Uh, there's the SALT deduction. Of course, everybody hears about the state and local tax deduction. That one doesn't affect lower and moderate income people very much, but it is going to be very important to upper middle income people. Now, what, what the 2017 law did was it capped that deduction at $10,000. In 2025, if nothing changes, that cap will go away. So that actually be a benefit for upper middle income people who would be allowed to take a full federal tax deduction for the state and local taxes they pay. So those are some of the big ones for for low and moderate income people. When you initially were talking about the the math that was hidden behind this law that that made it seem less expensive than it actually was, it makes me wonder about the fiscal ramifications if this law is extended. We're already facing a, a big budget deficit in this country. What what's this going to do? So the cost of extending this bill for 10 years or for making it permanent would be over $3 trillion. We've done an estimate at the Tax Policy Center of about $3 trillion. Another estimate uh, just came out the other day from another organization, came up with roughly the same numbers. $3 trillion before you include the interest costs. If you add the interest costs to that extra debt, it's going to begin to approach $4 trillion. It's an enormous amount of money. And as everybody knows, you know, the debate this year is about the size of the budget deficit. Congressional Republicans yeah. are outraged that the budget deficit is going up so fast. They want to do something about it. But of course, what they want to do is they want to cut spending. President Biden has talked about tax increases on high income people uh, in other contexts. I suspect that if the Democrats end up controlling Congress and keep the White House, we will see some of the tax 
provisions in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act extended, but there'll be an effort to pay for them by raising taxes on high-income people. If Republicans get control, I think it's less likely that we'll pay for many of these tax cuts. So if Republicans get control, will they pay for it with spending cuts, or will we just see the deficit continue to balloon? I, I, the idea of cutting spending by $3 trillion over 10 years is uh, frankly impossible. Uh, Republicans may say they want to pay for it with spending reductions, but when they actually look at the spending reductions that would be required, they're not going to do it. So there may be some modest uh, uh, spending cuts around the edges, but nothing like the $3 trillion it would cost to pay for these extensions. And just to dig into sort of the micro details, as you're looking not just at the presidency, but at the the chambers, the House and the Senate, what could those chambers potentially changing hands mean for this law? So if Republicans get control, if they keep control of the House and they win control of the Senate, they will push very hard to extend the provisions of this of this law. And I suspect most of them will be extended. If President Biden is still the president, of course, he could veto a bill, but I don't think he will. I think they would find some compromise and find some way to, to extend most of the individual provisions of this bill. On the other hand, if the Democrats keep control of the Senate, win the House, and maintain the presidency, then I think what you see is many of the individual provisions like the uh, the doubling of the standard deduction would be extended. I don't I don't think that would be much different. But I think what would happen is there would be proposals to increase taxes on high-income individuals, and there would be some provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that probably would be allowed to expire. One of them is uh, there was a there was a twenty a special twenty percent tax deduction for so-called pass-through businesses, limited partnerships, and uh, sub-S corporations. That would probably go away. That's a provision that's very hard to justify. Democrats have not liked it from the beginning, and I suspect there's a good chance that that would go away. The big question, if the Democrats have control of the entire government, is what happens to individual tax rates? Mm. Uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act reduced the top tax rate from 39% to 37%. There will be an effort on the part of some Democrats to raise that back to 39 again. So uh, th- th- that's something I think th- there's going to be a big fight over. So if you were making the odds at this point in the uh, election cycle, what's the over-under on this law expiring as it's currently written, this law being continued as it's currently written, or landing somewhere in between? So, so without knowing the outcome of the election, it's impossible to make a bet, right? Um, we don't even know at this point who the presidential nominees are going to be. And we don't know. There are many states that haven't, where parties have not nominated their Senate candidates yet. So um, it's impossible to really know. The best bet, I think, is that whatever the outcome of the election, most of the individual provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will be extended beyond 2025. I think that's a pretty good bet. Most politicians have said they want to do it. I think they will. The question is going to be the specifics. Which of them survive? Which of them don't? And if the Democrats have control, how are they paid for? I hope that uh, we can count on you to come back as we continue through this election cycle to help us parse this out. Happy to talk to you anytime.
Thank you so much, Howard, for being here. And we will talk to you again soon, I am sure. Isabel, you mentioned earlier how Edelman Financial Engines has in-house tax experts that can help people optimize their taxes. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what sort of capabilities you have on hand? Yeah, absolutely. This is a fantastic offering. So, But to be clear, these specialists are not we're not filing your taxes. We're not filling out your tax forms for you. This is really like an advisory tax service that could, the idea is that we're kind of taking a holistic look at your taxes as part of your full financial planning and figuring out ways to optimize um, and be more efficient, which could ultimately potentially lower your taxes. So some of the things that our experts can do is to help you maximize your bracket, meaning utilize as much as you can in the lower tax rates. So we can do this by determining, in in some cases, for example, the best sources for cash flow. You know, how do you manage your IRA distributions? Should you be taking money out of an investment account or an IRA or potentially thinking about Roth conversions like I was talking about earlier and exactly how much makes the most sense right now based on the tax bracket you're in and getting up to, again, maximizing that bracket. So, you know, doing a Roth conversion up to the point where you might be then getting into the next tax bracket. So analyzing your situation as it exists now and figuring out where can we optimize, what are the little things we can do that might make a big impact. But it's a really good tool for you to be able to kind of see okay, here's where I stand right now with my taxes. And here are some, maybe some opportunities that we can think about in alignment with our CPA. Are there any other specific areas that you find yourself digging into with your clients? Um, so I think for, for small businesses and for people, for example, who have rental income, we mm. do a lot of analysis on, you know, what makes the most sense for you in, in those cases, um, whether or not it be relating to, you know, deductibility or maybe even retirement plans that may be available to you or your or your company. Um, another big one are our stock options through your employer. So, you know, taking a look and analyzing maybe a strategy to unwind those or, you know, how to handle them. The program and the the tax analysis that we can do is pretty comprehensive. And I think it was eye-opening for me, even as a, you know, someone who does this professionally, to run my own taxes through this and to see, you know, how um, and where I might be able to optimize. But I think, so one of the most powerful things that we can offer is this technology that is going to allow us to analyze those past year tax returns and be able to kind of kick out a, a big picture of where you are today and how that relates to your entire financial situation. And then your financial planner can then dig in and start giving you more specific advice on how to take those tax planning recommendations and kind of fold that in to your full financial plan as you look ahead. I want to hear more about this tax technology that you're talking about. And to do that, we're going to bring on one of your colleagues. Her name is Jennifer Chomicki. She is the Senior Director of Advanced Planning Strategies at Edelman Financial Engines. Happy to have you with us, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. So what does it do, this tax technology? So using your most recent return, it helps you understand your tax situation provide you an overview of where you are now so you can take steps to consider possible tax planning opportunities. And if you are a client and you get to use this technology, can you just take me through the process? What what would I get as a client? Sure. Clients get a customized report 
that explains the key aspects of their tax situation and provides observations on potential tax planning strategies and state tax hints. How long does the whole process take? So generating the report is quick. The real value, though, is in the conversation with your planner. Taxes are complicated, as we've been saying, and and often we file that return in April, we check the box, and we move on with our lives. But we find that our clients benefit from learning more about what they're paying and why so they can be more strategic. When you think about the particular kinds of guidance that uh, clients are able to access as a result of this technology and this report, can you give me some examples? Sure. Uh, So we can show you how you might benefit from certain strategies, such as increasing contributions to your 401k or IRA to reduce taxable income, or using a QCD as part of your charitable giving strategy, or if maybe a Roth conversion makes sense. QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution? Correct. Okay. Is there is there any cost to clients for going through this process? So this is a part of our process for our clients. It's just one of the tools we use to provide comprehensive planning. And, and if I am listening, how do I get started? Yeah, talk to your Edelman Financial Engines Planner. They will need a full copy of your 2022 tax return, all parts of it, to get you started. Isabel, are you hearing from clients that this is something that they want to do? You know, it's pretty new. So this is something that we have rolled out this year. But for the clients that I have um, taken through this process, there has been in each case some opportunity. You know, we found something that we said, hey, out of this, we noticed this. Or as we're thinking about next year or the year after, we might want to consider XYZ because of the results of this new software that we have. Just, again, to sort of simplify what you're looking at and get a better or clearer understanding of what your taxes are. It's all kind of on one or two pages. You get an easy to read report that you would then review with your planner or potentially somebody from Jennifer's team if it was, you know, complicated and and, um, we felt like we wanted to bring in one of our tax experts as well. So I think it is a great benefit to our clients to have access to this, whether or not they think they need it or not. You make a good point in that we've talked with planners who are using it and and none of our clients come back and say, well, gee, that was a waste of time. I didn't learn anything. So we find that, you know, just understanding more about what their situation is, you know, they they fill out the forms, they sign it, they work with their CPA, they submit it, and then they, they don't really go back and understand what it is that happened last year and what maybe they can do moving forward. We've also found that some of our clients in looking at this with their planner have have caught some mistakes um, where, you know, maybe they did a QCD last year, but they forgot to tell their their tax preparer. And there's an opportunity to go back and amend that and, um, and you know, maybe and get back some lost income. So uh, that's some of the stories that we're hearing from our planners who are using the tool. I feel like also a lot of people who work with a, a CPA or an accountant, you know, they sit down, they do their their one time a year thing in April, and their accountant is really, really busy, right? And so they're going through their taxes, but they not, may not be doing tax planning for the future or tax strategizing. You know, they're really filing their taxes and talking about what they did, not what they are doing. And I think that's kind of the difference in what this tax um, planning software can help us with is we already know what happened in the past, but now we want to think about what are we doing in the future to be more efficient. So I think that that's where this conversation can be of a benefit to our clients. Agreed. It's the tax compliance piece that we do. And this is really the opportunity for the planner and the CPA to work together to consider what are those future opportunities as next steps. 
And I have to ask, Isabel, because you've teed it up, what did you learn by putting your own taxes through this process? Um, You know what? It was thinking about what my tax rates are and how much money, if any, I was going to be putting toward Roth versus traditional in in my 401k. It was maybe some some just minor stuff, but again, it was just, it was eye-opening for me and like, I go through day to day and, you know, I'm like, maximize here, maximize there, you know, save, save, save. But I don't often think about the tax implications of that. I just think about how can I be most efficient. And, you know, the reality is, is there's always maybe something little that we can do here or there to tweak that is going to be beneficial from a tax perspective. Thank you both. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for coming on to talk about this. And Isabel, always great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. That is all for this show, folks. Be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or visit us at everydaywealth.com. All of our episodes are available there to you. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.